City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the last episode of The Vault. More on that later. Uh, and on today's podcast, me and Chase are back. We're going to be talking about some Kai Jones, some Teo Maladon, the Gordon Hayward kind of injury saga, which happened over the past week. But before we get into that, I just want to say a big thank you for everyone who has supported the podcast so far. This isn't me trying to get more rating reviews. I just want to say during such a challenging year, where things are not going well. And to watch these Charlotte games from start to finish takes a pretty severe amount of determination. For the people to be reading, listening to the podcast right now, we just appreciate it because we know it's not always a good time. And we like to think that these are some form of therapy sessions, ways for you to try and pick out positives, ways for you to try and cope with the disappointment that a lot of your nights are probably being filled with at the moment. So... I just want to say a big thank you for everyone who's been listening so far. This is the first kind of NBA season we've run the podcast on the All Hornets Podcast Network, and we've got some some really great feedback. We've had some really great shows, and I'm just sorry that the Hornets performance hasn't quite matched that. Um, But stick with us here. You know, this is the kind of thing like 2012 Bobcat season. This is one of those where you can say, I was there. I lived through it. I got through it. And the podcast is how we're going to do that. So uh, one last time, thank you for everyone who's read us at allhornets.com. Everyone listen to the podcast. And without further ado, we'll we'll move on to the rest of our podcast topics. So, Chase, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I personally am good. Uh, as a basketball viewer, or as a Hornets viewer specifically, not so good. But um, I don't think I'm alone in that category. I think we're all suffering through this together at this point, at least. So there's uh, some solace to be taken from that, I think. Absolutely. And it's strange coming off like, well, technically they're 2-1 in the last three games. And you think, oh, what's the big deal? But if you actually like watch the context of the games, you played a Philly team with nobody and scraped past them coming back from 13-point lead. The Minnesota win was legit. Like They played well, but Minnesota are... there is. Oh my God, there is some bad juju about that team. <laughs> I, this is not a Tim Wills podcast, but if I was running one right now, I would be very worried considering what they have given away and given up and how that team currently looks. Uh, but I mean, it's not just about the last three games. It's about the season as a whole, which has been, which has been a challenge. Um, 
Before we got into Kai Jones, you, you heard on the intro of the podcast that this is going to be the last episode of The Vault. I want to say, don't worry. We are not going anywhere. All it is is a quick name change. And I know what you're thinking is, didn't they just call themselves The Vault at the start of this NBA season? And yes, we did. But as I was chatting to Chase before this podcast, um, I was chatting to my wife the other day about the podcast and I was telling her, you know, how we're doing. And, and I told her about this, our show being called The Vault. And my wife went, why did you call yourselves The Vault? It's nothing to do with the Hornets. I was like, well, we couldn't think of anything. And we were like, this thing about locking in takes and guests to lock predictions in The Vault. And it kind of worked. And my wife, Jess, sat there and she went, what about Inside the Hive? And I went, no, no, this is taken. And then I sat there and we kept driving. And I'm going, actually, is it taken? And I've done a quick search and there is no Inside the Hive podcast. And about 10 minutes later, I kind of went back to the conversation after we completely went off into the topic. And I went, actually, Inside the Hive is a really good name for a podcast. And I, I floated it past Chase before this. And we both agreed Inside the Hive is, is way better than The Vault. <laughs> so we're going to go with that for probably the name of our podcast going forward. We're still going to keep the vault sound effects. We're still going to be locking in some takes, but it's not going to be the, the central part of our podcast. Um, so, so Chase, we had a little conversation. Are you, are you happy about this change? Absolutely. Uh, we, we talk about this often, like for, for the first podcast we have, we struggled to think of a name for this podcast. It took us a while to think of the vault. Like, I don't think either one of us are the, the creative name, uh, cre- creative name thinker type. Uh, your wife is obviously giving us a, a leg up in this, but we I need know. to ask her for inspiration a lot more often. Clearly, I know we could, we could like have saved producer, ourselves a lot of trouble in the past. Exec producer of the podcast, maybe credit yes, her absolutely. for the end of each episode. Like, we might, we might have to start doing that. Obviously, the brains of the operation here. So, shout out to Jess, my wife, for giving us the new, the new name of the podcast, Inside the Hive. That's just going to be mine and Chase's show. Still going to be on the All Hornets Podcast Network, but you'll know it's me and Chase when it's an Inside the Hive podcast. Um, right, let's move on. We're trying to... We want to talk about Kai Jones. Uh, Kai Jones has got legit rotation minutes now for a couple of games in a row. It's the first time in his NBA career we've seen him get non-garbage time minutes. And we've probably been waiting for an opportunity to really speak about Kai Jones in length for a while. And we have one. So... I guess, Chase, what have, what have you seen so far from Kai? Um, what do you make of the role that he's playing? Um, and, and do you think he's going to be a fixture in the rotation going forward? I think that, I mean, at least during this time period where five rotation players are out or four, in, assuming Terry's illness doesn't last uh, too long, I think he's definitely going to be a major part of the rotation, especially with the flashes that he has been showing back-to-back games with nine points, which is uh, his career high 12 rebounds in the game with a win over Minnesota. That's his career high as well. He's hit a couple of really nice looking in, uh, mid-range jump shots. He had one that he dribbled right into an elbow pull-up net. Like it looked really solid when he comes up, he had very fluid motion. Like those videos that he posted over the off season, it per- per- looked very similar to that, which is a lot harder to replicate from an open gym than just pulling it out in a game when you're like a player that hasn't played a ton of minutes all year and are really getting the first chance in your NBA career to show showcase your skills at like an expanded level with a larger role on the team. So I think he's been great so far. Uh, If he keeps this up at this level, like putting up nine to 10 points a game with 
you know, six to eight rebounds. Like, I don't know how you can't give him at least an increased minute load when everybody's healthy. Obviously, he can't play 20-plus minutes like he has in the last two games against Boston and Minnesota. But he's the, he's been one of the most impressive young players on the team this season, even though he's gotten fewer minutes than a lot of other guys. I mean, that might say more about some of the other young players on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I guess that's probably true. But Kai, Kai yeah. has been has been pretty good so far. It, and I have to say, you just you cannot take your eyes off Kai Jones. Uh, it's not always great, but he's whenever he's one in the game, real play every game. Yeah, and you just can't stop watching him. And for for this team, which is not playing well and not doing well, like you know, Kelly Oubre is this team's leading scorer. He's nearly twenty a night. I still, I still enjoy watching Kai Jones do stuff more because I just have no idea like what's coming next. And the unexpected is is just more like tantalizing and more entertaining than like watching guys. He just does things on the court that you don't see many players in the NBA do. And I heard uh, Lee and Brian on the latest BuzzBeat podcast said this, like on a court full of incredible athletes, Kai Jones stands like head and shoulders above them and stands out. And that's really hard to do in the NBA. And I think that's just like such a great point and such a good way of putting it. Yeah, I mean, he, every single game, there's some sort of either skill that you have not seen yet, like that the elbow pull-up jumpers. Like, we didn't see that at all last year when he would play. Even in the G League, it was really just threes and finishes at the rim. You he did kinda... see it at Texas. This is what I he did t- at yes. Texas. He did have these like driving pull-ups and that's what gave you that like, ooh, that kind of like, like really jumps out to you, but you're right. You you didn't you saw more three po- of a three point shot, didn't you, in the G League, and then essentially at the rim, a few yeah, of these turnarounds it, here and there. But yeah, like some little like mid post, like over the shoulder, like fadeaways and stuff. But he has, he seems to really be like experimenting a lot more at the NBA level, at least than he had in the past. Uh, it, it, like it, he's and granted, you're able to do that more when you play more minutes because it, it, even at the beginning of the season or I, I would say probably the midpoint of the, the start of the season in November and into, into the, the, the part where point we're at now, like late November, he started playing more, but he was still only getting like seven minutes, six minutes a game. Like he was, it was pretty much the last like three to four games where he started coming in like before, you know, yeah. the game was out of reach or garbage time or something. And he immediately, he hit, he's hit the ground running so far. It's, it's been, it's been pretty impressive. And, and to see what that looks like when the team, gets healthy. Like I I can't imagine that at least the front office, if not like Steve Clifford and the rest of the staff want would want to see that. That that's kind of the type the reason that you drafted him is because he fits so well alongside like the team's good players as a guy that can just have a nonstop motor and he can catch any lob that Lamella would possibly be able to throw. He rebounds theoretically he's gonna be a decent rim protector when he fills out his potential. So it's 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 hard not to see him being a part of the rotation, but we'll, we'll have to see if he can keep this up first. And just to talk about like his positive energy, like people rag me all the time for knocking on James Booknight. I'm sorry. I, like, I don't know what people want me to say. He's been one of the worst players statistically in the NBA this year. What am I supposed to just like say everything's fine, but that's not the point at this point. What I'm saying is like, you look at the body language and the approach on the bench and on the court between James Bucknight and Kai Jones, and it is night and day. Kai Jones is 
talking, he's clapping, he's up, he's the first one up on the bench, he's into the game. It doesn't matter if you're down 20 points, like Kai Jones is is there and just brings such energy. And you see that in his like off-court interviews, right? He's just a like a bouncy personality. Um, and I think for a, a team like stuck in like the the doldrums of the NBA season right now, struggling to have someone like that, I just think like raises other people around you because it's just, he just naturally does that, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, there's something to be said for in that Boston game specifically, which we don't, we don't have to go over the the, the, the result too, too much, nice. but there is something to be said for the, the spark and the energy that he and the, the other young, some of the other young players too, but mo- mostly he with the type of ability that he has. They provided a lot of energy coming off the bench in that second quarter. The Hornets outscored the Celtics in the second quarter of that game, 36-33. They never stopped playing hard for the entirety of that game. The Boston shot ridiculously well. The Hornets also shot really well in that game. <clears throat> they just couldn't deal with the the firepower from the other team. But these guys never stopped like attacking the basket. You know, they were get trying to get each other open looks till the end of the game. There and Kai is a big reason is a was a big part of that. And he's I feel like he's always going to be that type of player, even as he because even as he develops, that type of energy is something he's never lost. Like when he first came into the league. That was pretty much like all he had. Like when he came mm-hmm. onto the court, was just run fast, jump high, like play hard, and hopefully you'll get like a dunk or a night or a nice rebound or something like that out of it. But now it seems like the skill set is really coming along. He's starting to get better with his feel for the game and starting to get better at processing and stuff like that. So it's 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 very very fun to watch. Mm, I I don't know if I necessarily completely agree with the last part in terms of like his process well, the, the, the ability to catch the ball i think and just take like three hard dribbles into an elbow jumper is like something that you have like the thought process of going into that to catching being like okay this is something i can do whenever i catch the ball now there's a lot like that takes like a little bit to like work into that rather than being like okay i'm just gonna barrel into the rim and try and jump over everyone and that's like that. I feel like there, it's like a step up in the type of scorer that he's that he's become to be able to do that comfortably and fluidly. Because it's not like it didn't look like uncomfortable at all. Like he took like three smooth dribbles, like planted his feet, came, rose squared to the rim, rose up, and it went right in. Like I feel like there, it's a step up in in how he approaches the game offensively, especially. Yeah, I, I think that kind of mid-range move. I mean, I checked cleaning the glass earlier. According to cleaning the glass, he's one of seven from mid-range this year, but that's probably non-garbage time minutes, which I feel like he's hit a few more than that. But like, yeah, if you take out the garbage time stuff, he's one of seven from mid-range, which I think was the, which will be that one jumper against Minnesota. In in his 101 minutes so far this season, uh, he has two assists and four free throw attempts, which... You know, again, I think this just begins to show some of the limitations you're seeing from him. Like he's he's still not someone who the team ever put his ball in the hands and like want him to make a processing decision in terms of like he's not diving to the rim on short rolls, getting the ball in like the in-between at the nail and then deciding, right, should I dribble into score? Should I shoot? Should I pass it out? That they're not using him in that way at all. That like Steve Clifford uses this term about like focusing and playing to your strengths. <clears throat> and I think with Kai, I kind of see like a tug of war where I think his envisionment of like the kind of player who he is, is the kind of type of style you saw in summer league. Like he takes shots, he drives to the rim, 
Like, and I think what Steve Clifford wants is him to play like Nick Richards, basically. You know, screen, contest shots, dribble handoffs, move the ball quickly, don't hold the ball, don't take shots that are outside of your comfort zone. And I feel like Kai's done a much better job buying into that. Um, you know, he's rebounding at a really good rate. He's contesting shots at a really good rate. I mean, despite playing power forward, per 36, he's contesting seven and a half shots per game. That's more than Mason Plumley, And Mason Plumley is playing the five and just slightly less than Nick Richards. So while playing like power forward, he's giving you that, that rim protection still. Um, but I, I still feel there's like part of him there which is pulling away to be like those turnaround fadeaway jumpers or there was a couple of times you got like an offensive rebound and you're just thinking, kick it out, Kai. No, kick it out. Kai, kick it, kick the ball out now. And he's still trying to go up and dunk it over everyone. I think he got blocked a couple of times in the Boston game when he got that offensive rebound. So there's definitely progress. I think Steve Clifford now has confidence in him that he will execute his scheme. He's not going into his dribble bag as much. Um, he's definitely improved his screening, which is a huge thing. His screening in Greensboro last year was not good. Like he'd stand there and make no contact with the guard. He's definitely already made progress in that area. He's not getting in foul trouble and fouling a lot, which you think for someone of kind of his, his play. But, you know, he, there's no way that Kai should be averaging four, like four free throw attempts in 100 minutes. It's a guy that quick and that athletic. Like, but I still think there's a little bit like the ball security on drives. I don't think he quite has that control and feel for the ball to be able to kind of use his, all his size and his speed and athleticism. When he's got the open pathway or when there's like an offensive rebound, he, he goes and gets it. But to do that with ball in hand, I still think you've got to see that still. But at the same time, I don't think Steve Clifford wants him to do that. So it's an interesting tug of war, which I think at the minute we're kind of in a good middle zone where Kai's being able to do a bit, like you said, with the, some of the pull-up stuff. Um, he got off some threes in the, the game against Boston and, and hit one. But he's not like relying on that to be impactful on the game. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be – it wouldn't – obviously it's not good for the team, but it, it's good for, I think, for somebody who's very important to – the team's future and somebody they obviously believed in and believes uh, he would be good enough to invest in by trading a future first round pick to move, get back into the draft and uh, select him to get minutes to experiment and develop when he's actually like a role or a big playing a big role on the team rather than only coming in when it's a 20 point game in the fourth quarter and something like that. Yeah. I think I, I do have like some, concerns about him getting rotation time at power forward in a, in a yeah, healthy that's my one quibble with it is that i would rather it just be all of this be happening with him as the, as the five i feel like well would be probably like better. for me like now he looks to me like a small ball center like if you want to go to a switching style at some point in the game because of what the other team are doing you throw in kai jones um into that second unit and like he could almost be a small ball five like him and pj washington i think have got an interesting complementing skill set um, <clears throat> where, where PJ's played some five before. So they kind of be interchangeable on that nature. I, I, I still think like his skill set still screams center. There's nothing he is really doing that suggests he can be a power forward. The only thing is that he can guard pretty well on the perimeter for someone of his size. Like he can slide with guys. He's got the speed. Um, but uh, like in the half court on offense, it is like playing two bigs out there. And I've got some concerns long-term. If, if Nick Richards or Mark Williams is this team's 
backup center, then like Kai Jones and Nick Richards and Mark Williams are basically playing two non-shooters. Well, you then think Dennis Smith Jr., he's going to start a backup point guard, right? Start a backup point guard. You know what I mean? Play a backup point guard. Well, he's not really a, a, a willing shooter. Cody Martin is a low volume, like I'll shoot it when I'm open, but I'm not going to create. So I, I do worry that long term, you think, oh, what's the second unit like? Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, Nick Richards, hopefully not. Um, hopefully he's the starter by then. Kai Jones. And then like one of Ubre or, or Hayward or McDaniels. I do have a lot of worry about the shooting and floor spacing on that unit because you just reach a point where teams are just going to pack the paint. And I I don't know if Dennis Smith Jr., Mark Williams, Kai Jones, and Cody Martin can all play together effectively and be a quality NBA offense, but we, we won't know until we see it. No, and realistically with how things have been going, uh, we don't we won't necessarily have to worry about some of those guys being on the team uh, for the foreseeable future, or at least in the long, long term uh, after this season passes. But should we move on to the other uh, bright spot young player um, that we're going to talk about today? Yeah, let's move on. Terry Maladon, um, who's been, was picked up as a free agent after getting wa- waived by OKC. I think he was the 34th pick at a couple of drafts ago, ago. Came into this Hornets team with no training camp. Um, went straight into playing minutes, I think, within five days of signing with the team. And has been, I, I would, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts. I know you wanted to speak about Teo. Um, I think he's been fine, but but give me some of your Teo thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he also has been, I mean, the last couple games have probably brought down the, uh, the excitement that people may have had about Teo Maladon. But I, I think he's been pretty good. Uh, filling in for like you said given the circumstances just joining this he's he's on a two-way contract like for how much he's playing you would not really imagine him as a two-way player and especially at certain times like with the poise with which he can control the offense he's been a pretty consistent shooter up until the last few games especially from three but I don't remember what he started as uh from the Hornets but I think it was like he was seven for seven from uh to start the or his Hornets career from the field. He didn't miss a shot for like a game or two games or something like that. I mean, when things are going right for him, which is, it isn't always. And I think at times he, he can be like a little bit overtasked with not only like just being one of the main point or players and offensive initiators on this team, but also the players that he's been surrounded with have not necessarily helped him in that regard. But Early on in the year, he looked like very, very good in a smaller, like backup point guard, third guard role. And I think that ideally, like, that's probably what he is on this Hornets team anyway. I don't, I mean, I don't think he's a two way player forever. I think the Hornets got pretty lucky to get him on that deal without having to invest like some sort of even like non guaranteed, uh, like roster spot on him. So, with how, how things are going, considering the investment that they've made, I, I think that he's, he's been. Pretty, pretty solid. I, I, yeah, obviously, the like I said, the last couple games may have soured the feeling a little bit. He, I think he went like yeah. four for twelve or four for thirteen against Boston. So, and that was that was his first start, I believe. I think it was his first start um, against Boston. I think so too. Yeah, but I mean, you need to zoom out with things like this. I think big picture, he is his development curve is on an upward trajectory. I mean. You just look, his field goal percentage the last two years in OKC was under 37%. He's at 46% for this year from the field. His three-point percentage is up at 37%. He 
he was shooting 33 and 29% back in OKC. Um, his turnovers are like down at, uh, at kind of the uh, equal lowest percentage of his career. His foul rate is up. His defensive rebounding, block percentage, steal percentage, all up. He's been like pretty good defensively. He's been Charlotte's best pick and roll, most efficient score, kind of like the pick and roll for creating him for himself and teammates. So I, I agree he's been overtasked, but let's also like, we have to remember here that he's been playing with units that are missing a lot of the offensive punch. Um, you know, so if he was playing with better players, he's the kind of, he's a, a pass first point guard, really. He's trying to get other people involved. And I really think he's one of those players, like the better players you surround him with, the better he will be, which is why in OKC the last two years, they've had absolutely horrible rosters. He's probably struggled a little bit. Um, and even on this Charlotte team, there are probably more vets in and around this team than there was with the, the majority of the time he was playing with OKC. Um, so I think there's progress there. I still don't know like if he's ever like a the, your backup point guard, um, or, or not right now, I should say. I mean, he's still young. I think long-term he could develop into that if he becomes a little bit more consistent, kind of a bit more of a scoring threat. I think that's the biggest area for him. Like, can he just create for himself a little bit more in terms of from the mid-range, getting to the rim on a, on a higher frequency? Because he's very much like a bit of an old-school pass-first point guard. Um, but I, I, I like, for me, like if it was between next year, him and Dennis Smith Jr. to be on a contract to play as a backup point guard, who would you have? Oof. That's actually a really tough question. Is it? That's a surprise. Like for most people, I don't think that's a tough question. I think most people, it's Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. Well, I, Dennis Smith is, he's, I mean, this is a, a thing that's kind of been a problem throughout his career too. He, he's been injured quite a bit now. If he doesn't come back soon and Teo keeps playing well, and I mean, presumably Lamelo comes back at some point eventually. It's like I, I feel like I would not be surprised if Teo, if they kind of like split those minutes rather than <clears throat> Teo getting like taken out of the rotation entirely. There will really? probably be games. Steve where, Clifford yeah. does not like playing many players. Chase, he is. Yeah, he's been playing ten guys like pretty much the whole year. I mean, more. I probably out of necessity, but yes, because someone gets still. injured every game, he has to go into the bench. Yeah. I mean, but but still, I mean, I don't know if the this team has like the veteran depth uh, of talent to not play like any of these guys, you know, I mean, if, and we don't know how long Dennis is even going to be out too. Like he has a walking boot right now. Like that, 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 that doesn't mean he's going to be out for like a month, but it doesn't necessarily inspire hope that he's going to come back for the game against Washington on Friday. Uh, we don't actually know, but <clears throat> at this point, I, I, I mean, I'd probably choose Dennis Smith too, but, I, 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 there's definitely some value in a, a player like Teo Maladon, like being on, he's only 21 years old too. Like he has a long like way to go before he's like even reaching his prime. I think he's a nice compliment to LaMelo. You don't really have to like change your offensive style. You can kind of rely on him to do some similar things just at a lesser level, like probably with less pace and stuff, but He's going to be a guy that can control your offense and make plays for others in a in a similar way. I, I agree that he's probably not like your backup point guard on like a really good team, but if you have a situation like maybe like Atlanta or Boston or something where your starting two guard can kind of switch to be your backup point guard when your uh, starting point guard's on the bench, like having Teo as that third like initiator, I think would be an ideal scenario. Yeah, I I think really good third guard. 
Yeah. I just this team because they've got Terry's there. <laughs> the Hornets need ball. nine different things before they need a really good third guard too. Well, so it, that, it, that's, that. that's the thing because you've got Terry and Lamelli, right? And if yeah. one of them is injured, you think, oh, we'll be okay because the other one can just just slide over. But um, yeah, I, I thought he's been a real saving grace this year. Um, I don't know what the Hornets would have done without him with some of these guard injuries they've had, um, but. He's he's definitely made progress. He's taken a step here, um, as opposed to his first couple of years in the league. So you know the the minutes are kind of down for him, but I think the efficiency and everything that he's doing is up, and that is that is promising. And like again, like he, if he can have a full training camp with the team, get even more settled, have better players around him, I think he would look even better. So, um. Yeah, I, I, for me, I, I think between Dennis Smith Jr. and Teo, like I think Steve Clifford just reading between the lines of how he talks about Dennis Smith Jr., like it would be Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, he's talked about how he's, you know, he's quite, I can quote, he said, Dennis Smith Jr. is a huge part of what we are doing here. Like that's that's a quote that he used about him. And he was arguably the team's like best player after 10 games uh, so to start the year. Um, so yeah, Teo Maladon, Doing well. We we need to see probably a little bit more scoring, a little bit more consistency because he is pretty up and down, like from game to game. You sometimes it's like it's you can tell it's his night, like after two minutes when he's like getting after it in defense and and everything. Um, but yeah, I, I think Teo he should get definitely minutes in the short term, and that'll be that'll be good for his development. And I'm really excited if they do get healthy to see him in Greensboro, like playing with. Mark maybe uh, playing with Bryce, like he'll just make life so much easier for all those uh, Greensboro guys. And I think that could be a, a really good swarm team. Yeah. And it, it'll be interesting. I doubt this ends up being a problem uh, or hopefully this doesn't end up being a problem because that would imply that the team gets healthy sooner than later, but he's been burning through these uh, two-way availability or two-way games that are available for two-way players or he only gets 50 games on the year. He's at 19 right now. So they might get to a point where he gets pretty close to no longer being eligible to play games uh, like towards the end of the year if he has to stick in the rotation for a long time here. but And that would force him to either not ever appear in an NBA game or not dress for an NBA game for the rest of the uh, season, or he would, they would have to sign him to a guaranteed spot on the roster. So I doubt that ends up being a problem, but it is something to consider with how many games that he's had to go in, even if it's not like for it a long time. It is a good time. flag. How many games is it until the trade deadline? Uh, because I, I wonder if they could make moves at the trade deadline to create a roster spot to sign him to a contract. Do you like, if you yeah, trade away... 21 games, I don't I know. the trade deadline's after like 50, so <clears throat> probably like 30-ish games until then. Okay, so the, they could essentially keep him playing games up until the trade deadline. Let's say they move Mason Plumley for a second. They could then use that roster spot for yeah, uh, Teo Maladon and convert him, right? Which is yeah. which is definitely something that could happen and would probably make some sense, especially if the, the injury bug still hit. Um, okay, we're going we're gonna to stop for a quick ad break to hear from our friends from DraftKings. And then we're going to come back and talk about the bizarre Gordon Hayward Robin Hayward injury Instagram social media story that kind of came and went this past week. The NBA season is heating up and so is the race for MVP, sixth man of the year and most improved player. I've already put a little bit of money down on sixth man of the year. I've gone Christian Wood, Michael Brogdon, 
And the reason I've done a couple of guys is because if you get long enough odds, you can just kind of hedge your bets. If one of them wins, you make money either way. So when I'm looking to get into the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NBA team to win their game and they get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine multiple bets, which team will win, total rebounds and more. A couple I've got my eye on, Nick Richards rebounds over. I think his playing time is going to go up here. And I think especially against the Philadelphia 76ers, no Joel Embiid, he's well placed to have a big game. So that's something I'm trying to pair maybe with a couple like good matchups, maybe PJ Washington points over, Terry Rozier points over. Just have a look at the defensive matchup with both of those players. Make sure to download the app now. Sign up with promo code TBPN. Place a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, welcome back. Chase, did you see this Gordon Hayward, Robin Hayward Instagram saga? I mean, I mean, just to just to kind of fill people in for people who might not have seen. Um, during the night of the Minnesota game, Robin Hayward posted on Instagram, and that's Gordon Hayward's wife, uh, quoting the Hornets injury report that said that Gordon Hayward had a left shoulder contusion, saying, fact check, exclamation mark. He actually has a fractured scapula that they had him play with the last game. That's why he couldn't move his arm, his left arm in the last game. Everyone who knows Gordon knows his one goal, and that's to win and play the right way. He's the most truthful player person you'd find. If he's not going to play for something, it's more than a bruise. I'm going to stop there and not get into prior things, which is interesting what prior things you're referring to. She then goes on to say, doubles down, just to clarify, since the team doesn't say, it's a fracture in the shoulder, which is a broken bone. Thank you for that clarification. We know what a fracture is. Um, I'm over them not protecting players. Just was talking with a young player's mum and she was saying the same thing. Then, 24 hours later, we have part three of the saga. Robin Hayward, just want to clear the air about my post Friday night. I was frustrated with the injury report and the response to it. I'm sorry it came across in a negative way. It's not at all how I feel about the organization. I just wanted everyone to know why Gordon actually wasn't playing. Sorry that my wording wasn't the best. So that all happened within 24 to 36 hours. Um, it was a real shame because after kind of like the Kai Jones explosion, this just kind of took over the internet and kind of that got forgotten about. But is this like, are you worried about this? Is this a concern to you? Or is just it's just like something that happens and you'll forgotten about it by next week? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that I think will blow over pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, I, it's never good it to shouldn't. speculate uh, about like anything really, and that that's like that's what any that's all any of us can do at this point because no none of us would have any idea whether or not like Gordon Hayward broke his shoulder like and the Hornets either knew about it and made him play or didn't diagnose it. 
uh, and then found out after or whatever, like none of us would ever, will ever be privy to that information. So I feel like it's just like it eventually, and it's like he's he's out like now, and now when he's listed on the injury report, it says like left shoulder fracture, or like fractured scapula, or whatever it is. So I feel like now I, I don't know. I don't think that will be anything that we see like public clarification on uh, in the future. I agree. It's not because I think if they were going to clarify it, they would have done it before last night's game. But for me, this is the kind of thing that, yes, if you just let it go like they have done, the casual fan won't remember. No, Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the people who follow the team closely will be marking this down. And this will be something that is that is brought up in year two, three, four from now when you talk about Hornets managing injuries of players, people are going to call back to this situation because I, I know you said like no one knows if the Hornets had diagnosed it. I, I feel like we can be pretty sure the Hornets knew he had a fracture. I, I mean, she alludes to that they, they knew and that he, they made him play basically through it during that last game. Um, I, I found it hilarious in the last point how she said, it's not at all how I feel about the organization. When literally in her previous post, she said, I'm over them not protecting players, <laughs> which screams to me, uh, Gordon Hayward or his agent or the Hornets PR team has gone to Robin and said, you need to take back what you said and essentially issue an apology because she's literally criticizing the team for not protecting players. And then the next day saying that it's, it's it, sorry, it came across in a negative way. I, I mean, sorry, Robin, you were trying to be negative. You're going out your way to be negative. Like don't feed people that bs i'm just calling it for what it is i'm not i understand why you had to say that robin hayward but like it's it's because you're you're trying to save this from turning into like a wider situation in my opinion and that's just what the situation is but i, I do think it brings into worry here because you had Lamelo saying he came back early yeah. when he wouldn't have come back if it wasn't for dennis smith jr being hurt you've got the cody martin injury where it went from a a thigh contusion to a knee surgery instantly. We talked previously on the podcast about a lack of timeframes being given around some of these injuries for players. There's a lot of little things that by themselves are nothing, but you start adding them up and it's not painting a great picture with this Hornets team. And let's also not forget that half this team has been injured almost for the entirety of the year. So I have some, like for me with the, I'm normally like a benefit the doubt person. And like, I think Lamelo will have been wanting to come back. And I thought Gordon Hayward will have wanted to play through the shoulder injury to prove that he could. But then this kind of post makes me think, well, maybe he was getting pressured into that. And if that's the case, that's a real concern because your, your welfare for your players physically should be your number one priority. You should never, ever be pressuring a player to play. For me, it's like their decision not yours as a franchise. You do not own a player. They simply work for you. And if someone is not fit to work, it's up to them to self-diagnose that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with, with that entirely. And it does kind of like, like she, she might be onto something. Like we, we, we won't know. Like there's no way that either side is going to come out and be like, we did, we did know this. We're sorry. Like blah, blah, blah. Unless there's some sort of NBPA like investigation into it, which, I, I would be surprised if they end up going to that length. But I do think it's it's like worth remembering, like you said, like for casual fans and just the general like NBA Hornets universe, like this will definitely pass by 
pretty quickly. But I feel like people like us will at least be marking stuff like this down. And that, I mean, I the, the Cody Martin thing, that was that was weird when that happened. Like, I think that you and I and other people were kind of noting, like, why did it go like his quad is is his not the same as his knee like what is why is he having surgery on a different body part than what he was injured with uh and then i mean lamello and the rod boone article uh that i mean that quote circulated as well when when that came out like that's not like an isolated incident necessarily i i don't mean to like speculate or whatever but i don't think that you know there's it's like not a uh cause for concern i guess or something to look out for in the future especially if the, if it takes like a long time for either cody martin or hayward to come back and these ended up being like really serious injuries or something i mean the one thing i will say is absolute 100 proof the team is not tanking because oh if yes gordon, if gordon oh, hayward yeah. had a fractured shoulder they have the reason on a silver pattern to say gordon hayward is out week to week but they've sent him out there with a fractured shoulder. Like that is, if, if anyone ever, ever wants to think, are the Hornets tanking or not? There is your answer for right now, at least anyway. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I will say like, this isn't necessarily about the Hornets training staff, which I think people always draw the line to. This is the Hornets training staff. I'm like Joe Sharp, who's their training staff, was the like team doctor for Team USA at, I think, two or three Olympic Games. You don't just get selected to do that unless you are not like at the top of your field. And Joe Sharp is is the head uh, head doctor for the team, so they've got one of the best guys in the league running that department. Uh, like so, this this might not be to do with the training staff. This could just be like a communication thing between training staff and PR. But I I, I just don't know. Like, but people shouldn't necessarily just jump to it's the doctor health side. Because it could be that they're saying all these right things and they're not being necessarily fed back how the medical department is. And like you say, we won't know. We, we have no idea. Um, but there's, yeah, it, it just doesn't sit well with me that like, if, the, if Gordon Hayward had been wanting to go out there to play and he'd been the one who say, I want to go give it a go, even with his fractured shoulder, surely wouldn't the team just come out and say that, like, look, Gordon, Gordon wanted to battle through that, and we took his advice uh, on the on the like the pain threshold. The fact they didn't come out and say that actually makes me believe Robin's post more, because that's an easy way out for them if that was was the case. So again, I I don't know. It's a lot of speculation, but this is just one of those things that when things aren't going well, they get magnified. And and I can see why the, the breadcrumbs here are adding up to a frustrating situation for, for the fans who follow the team closely to start really having some questions here about what like what's what's going on here. Yeah, I mean you could you could ask that question about ninety percent of the things that have happened to the Hornets in the last eight months. What's going on here applies to an unfortunate amount of the the situations that we've had to endure. It unfortunately does. Um, but Hornets have got five, a five-day gap. Is that right? A four-day gap? I don't know. They've got a big gap here until the next yeah. game. You'll be hearing this uh, midweek uh, before the, for the things to playing the Wizards next, maybe. Yep. Um, a couple of good days to get some practice in. Hopefully some players will come off the injury report for the next game. 
Um, I know Steve Clifford isn't going to play the young guys, but I hope he continues to do so because watching McGowan's and Kai Jones in that Boston game last night was possibly the only positive really thing. Apart from Jalen McDaniels, shout out career high Jalen McDaniels. Yep. Um, you know, had a good game. Uh, that kind of went under the radar, really. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I want to see this season for now. And there is this philosophical battle between. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you saw Steve Clifford. He got asked post game yesterday, um, like, well, was it at least good to get to see some of the young guys get some extra playing time with the injuries? And Steve Clifford like chuckled, speaking to himself, going, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure, you could say that. <laughs> yeah. He was like, we just lost by 40. We were absolutely terrible. But sure, if you want to say it was good to see some of the young guys, then fine. Yeah, he's like, yeah, whatever. You can take whatever <laughs> positives from this that you want. He's like, yeah. I'm not I'm not taking a single one. <laughs> that's, that's, you, but then yeah. you could tell that's what he was thinking. And then he went, yeah, yeah but actually, yeah, you know, it was, let's just say there was a, there's a lot for them to learn from. Yeah, which exactly. is the, it was a learning, it was a learning experience. Support. Yeah, exactly. Which this philosophical challenge that I have is that I think 90% of Hornets fans and a lot of NBA fans, young players need to play to develop. Steve Clifford does not view it that way. You know, uh, he views it that they, they can develop in other ways off the court, which you've, you've seen from Kai Jones. You've seen from Nick Richards the last couple of years. You know, people look at this and go, oh, Nick Richards should have always been playing. Well, should he? Or would Nick Richards have looked completely out of his depth if he played in his rookie year? And the fact that what he's been able to do the last couple of seasons has now put him in a position where he can come in and actually play like winning basketball from the off rather than, than trying to find his game within the context of, a, of an NBA game. But it's hard, right? You look over at Greg Popovich with the Spurs, he's got Jeremy Sohan starting. <laughs> like... He's and, played like he's, point guard in, in some of his minutes. It's it's wild. Exactly. And and he's the winningest coach of all time. And Steve Clifford's view is you shouldn't do that. So it, it's a really difficult philosophical challenge, which in this situation where all players want to where all fans want to see are young players, Steve Clifford is, is not going to be your guy for that. I I can just promise you right now, um, he's gonna he's gonna pr- lean on the vets more. Because they they execute to a better level, which I think you saw in that in that Boston game. What happens when you play a bunch of young guys out there together? Okay, anything else you want to get off your chest here, Chase? Before we jump off, I don't think so. I think it's a good uh, good three day break, like you said. It'll be good to just get rest for all the players, and that they're going to be home for the majority of their games between now and the West Coast trip. That is like almost two weeks long, like through Christmas. So should be a good period of, you know, rest and relaxation for. What, what record are we saying for that West coast trip? (laughs) Oh, all right. So it's Denver, Sacramento, LA, LA, Portland, and golden state. Mm. Okay. I don't know where the wind's coming from there. Yeah, I mean, on paper, me, me neither. <laughs> um, it's, com- it's coming from somewhere, though, in my heart. I know that. Um, they'll beat one of the L.A. teams. They'll beat the Lakers. The Lakers are not good. They're Did better you see than, had than they've been. 29, re- 29 basketball rebounds. 29 and 20 29. points was it how many points did he 30, have 31 and 29 and he fouled he fouled out so he couldn't yes. get the 30th which is like 
that's so perfect for like a big man like Zubac to be like, I'm on the verge of my 30th rebound, but I'm not, I'm not at all going to change how physical I play in terms of like, do you think it was an over being the back to avoid going fouls. to the board? I don't, yeah, yeah, right. It's an over the back foul. Yeah. He's like pushing it. He like throws an elbow into somebody's back and pushes them out of the way. I didn't, I didn't watch uh, that portion of the game, but no, I watched I a, a, a decent bit of it and he was doing work down there. It was, it was crazy. Uh, for the Hornets fans that, we're hoping to trade for him in the past or maybe oh. this season. That ain't happening. <laughs> and, there, and there's a reason it hasn't. It's because he's good and the Clippers really value him and he's really good for them. He was like my number two trade target, I think, but uh, behind maybe Miles Turner. He might have even been number one in the summer yeah. of the summer before they traded for Plumlee. So that was like 20. I was going to say, I think it was two, two summers. 21. I want to say I remember. Yeah, we, did, we just got, like, Zubach was absolutely a guy. Yeah. The target. Um, yeah he's, he's, been, he's been great. That's one of the most bizarre, like, stat lines. It's so you awesome. You'll <laughs> see this year, like, he beats the Zubac with 31 points, 29 rebounds. Yeah. I mean, that's... Jer- Jeremy Grant taking 28 free throws uh, is another <laughs> yeah. one. And Ashton, and Ashton Hagen's 22 assist triple-double in the G League. That's Yeah. That, yeah, fre- fresh off the plane. Like, it, it probably three, four hours before he had started playing in that game and warming up, he got off the plane in Greensboro and then dropped. Didn't have a name on his jersey. Didn't have a name on his jersey because he got to him so late and never played with anyone before. And he rocks up, has a triple-double with 22 assists. (laughs) Yep. The Um, the second most in in G League history, I think. uh, The record is 24. From who? Do you know? Uh, Frankie Ferrari, Santa Cruz. uh, Credit to my boss at work for for feeding me that, that stat, so... I would not have known that otherwise. <laughs> Shout out Chase's boss. Where do you even find? I tried to find the record earlier. I couldn't find it. Uh, um, it's on. It's on the. There's like an archive on the G League website, I believe, of like all time stats. And well, records. you never know. Ashton Hagens. They're playing mm-hmm. Westchester Knicks again tonight. Mm-hmm. He might. He might break the record tonight. Go for that twenty-five assist game, uh, which would be which would be fun. Yeah. Um, but Chase, let's leave it there. Good chatting with you. And yeah, we can, we'll link up next week, maybe before that West Coast trip. But yeah, have a good week. Oh, yeah. And um, you're, you're, what, you're seeing the Swarm. I know this week they're playing Maine, yes. aren't they? Up close and personal. The Swarm are coming up to, coming up to yeah. Portland. Any, any, any uh, diehard Swarm fans that are listening to this that want to make the trip, uh, be a, a groupie on the road, follow them up. Uh, I'll get any uh, recommendations for hotels or dinners. I got gotcha. you. I'm sure that many people are going to heed this advice and, Take if you get one, I'll be shocked. Trip. If, if there's anyone who listens to this podcast going <laughs> to that main swarm game, let Chase know. I do not yeah. think there's a single person. I know I would be absolutely shocked. I was hoping that um, Kai would be there so that I could be like, hey, uh, remember when I, we interviewed you? Like, God, what was that? Like a year ago now at this point? Probably like a year and a half. Just or over. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't, he obviously he's not going to be there with uh, the state of the team. So. We'll yeah. see. Should, it should be fun, though, either way. Yeah, and I think next week we're going to do a podcast talking about some of the, the younger guys, Mark Williams, Bryce McGowns, JT Thor. Um, you'll have had the chance to, to see them up close and personal and, and just talk about how some of their season's going this far as, so far as well. So we'll, we'll look forward to that next week. That's everything from me. I will speak to you guys soon. Thanks for listening, guys. See you.